listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Luke chapter 17. Victory Tribe is in the house today. If you have your Bible, take it out. You're going to be wanting to be making some uh, highlights and some notes today for sure. And I'm going to show you what Jesus said about this. These are the teachings of Christ to his disciples and letting his people know what the end will look like. And so we're in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. And uh, I want to show you some things that Jesus himself taught and Jesus said. Um, let's start reading in um, let's start reading in verse 20 um, let's start reading in verse 26. Luke 17 and verse 26. You're gonna enjoy yourself, Johnny. You going down to the stand? It was great. I I was there for the first night. You're going to enjoy yourself, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Luke 17, 26, Jesus is teaching. Listen to this. He's giving signs about the end end of time. Listen to this. It says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So if you don't know, if you don't know this, the the flood and the ark were a type and shadow of uh, judgment in the end. And the ark was a type of Christ that anybody who comes into Christ will be protected and preserved from judgment. If you've never seen that before, let me show it to you today. Noah's Ark is a representation of Jesus Christ. The flood, of course, the flood was judgment. The flood represented judgment, not just in the future. It was judgment then. But the Ark was a representation of Jesus Christ. And righteousness, and the Bible says God looked through the earth and only found Noah and his family to be righteous. And so the righteous ones came inside the ark. And once they were in the ark, the Bible says God shut the door. So God closed them into their covenant and they were divinely protected from wrath and judgment. Notice it didn't even start. Do you you know what's interesting? And we'll go back there, by the way, to Genesis chapter six. That's where we're going to go and look at this. Genesis chapter six. I'm going to give you the first two signs we're seeing in the month of June, I'm going to show you this. Um, but interesting that when you look at this picture, Noah enters into the ark with his family and judgment and wrath did not begin until they were safely in the ark. That's what you need to see first. Judgment and wrath did not begin until Noah and his family were safely in the ark. You know why? Because the rains that were about to fall were not for them. 
The waters that were going to gush up out of the ground were not for them. Because God didn't look at them and get angry. He looked at the wickedness of the world and was angry at them, the Bible says. And so it would have been wrong for the rains to be coming down on Noah and his family. It would have been wrong for the water to be gushing up out of the ground and for Noah and his family to be struggling through it as they're headed towards the ark. Because both of those things were God's judgment for the wickedness of the world. And Noah was not wicked. And his family was not wicked. The ark was for the righteous. Christ is our ark. That when we come into Jesus and God closes us into our covenant with Christ, that we are not appointed unto wrath. Wrath is not for us. Can you imagine how stupid that would be for God to put all of our sins onto the body of Jesus and then punish Jesus for our sins in our place and then after Jesus left the earth later throughout time start punishing us again for our wickedness that he already redeemed us from. No, that's unjust. That's unjust. That's corrupt. And God cannot and would not do that. We received grace through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He was the propitiation for our sins. He stood in our place. He took our beating for us. He took our death for us so we didn't have to take it. He took our punishment for us so we didn't have to take it. And so we are not appointed unto the wrath of God. The tribulation is not for us. The wrath of God is not for us. That's how I know when stupid people get online and start talking about, well, let me tell you, God sent coronavirus to this earth to judge wickedness. Well, then what do you say to all of the Christian people that were affected by coronavirus? Is God so foolish that he just uh, recklessly sent that virus through the earth and accidentally killed a bunch of his own children that had received Jesus? God's not a fool and God's not reckless. And let me tell you something else. God's not judging the earth right now. This is not a time of judgment on the earth. We are living in a time of grace where God is extending that grace and that message about Jesus to those that are wicked so that by the gospel, they could come into the kingdom before it's too late. Get on the ark before it's too late. Get on the ark before it's too late. And we're living in a time of grace, not a time of judgment. God didn't send the coronavirus. God's not killing people on the earth. These are the same fools that said when the earthquake hit Haiti, that God was judging Haiti for their wickedness and for their serving of false gods and their paganism. God did not kill people in Haiti because they were, uh, you know, wicked. If that's the case, why doesn't God just kill all the wicked people that are on the earth right now? He doesn't change because that's not what he's doing right now. What he's doing right now is extending the gospel message through the church to the world that is dying and on their way to hell. And we're living in a space of grace. And so I want you to see this, um, that there is time left to reach people for Jesus. And so when God looked at the earth, now we're in Genesis chapter six, we're going to look at Noah. What will the earth be like when the end comes? Jesus said it would be like the days of Noah. It would be like the days of Noah. Well, let's look what the Bible says. 
The Bible says in verses 11 and 12 of Genesis 6, Genesis 6, verses 11 and 12, listen, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So here's the first two signs, prophetic signs from Jesus, that the end is near. Extreme corruption and extreme violence. I want you to put it in the comments. Number one, corruption, and number two, violence. Put it in the comment section. Extreme corruption And number two, extreme violence. Those are two things that Jesus clearly prophesied would take place. Have you noticed over the last two decades, have you noticed the rise of corruption and violence like never before? Not just in government, but in every arena of life. Have you noticed it? That it's even touched the church? Have you noticed that even men of God have been corrupted? Have you noticed that even men of God have been falling and dropping like flies? That Christians are even experiencing it? That it's involved in private corporations? It's involved in the government? There's corruption. Even in sports, you know, I mean, it's so, it's everywhere to the point, even in sports. Like if you follow soccer, the largest sport in the world, the president of FIFA was investigated and found out to be corrupt because he was taking uh, all kinds of bribes behind the scenes. It's everywhere. It's not just in the government. It's not just in individuals. It's everywhere you look. Now you see these things. And of course, we know that they're they're wrong and we know that we, we recognize the injustice and the wrong. But now even in the police departments, even though fools have thought the, the way to handle that is to defund the police departments. Well, good luck if you ever need help every nut job that's wanting to defund the police. Good luck if you ever need help, if somebody's being beaten or raped or robbed or child molestations going on or somebody's got you at gunpoint. Good luck if you've defunded the police. It's a stupid answer. However, we know there is corruption within even the police departments. We can see those things plainly. We can see corrupt police officers. We know that there are police officers that are taking money behind the scenes, that are doing things that are illegal. We know that. We're not blind to it. But notice that extreme corruption has crept into every area of life, including the body of Christ including the body of Christ. You see pastors that are, are removed from their churches for embezzlement or for having affairs or what, you know, whatever it may be. It's everywhere. It's a sign unto you that we are at the end of time and it's just continuing to increase. And on top of the corruption, extreme violence. Everywhere you look, have you noticed in the last two decades how violence has seemed to like radically increase throughout the earth. I mean, I want you to think about this. Um, can they defund the police? They've already done it in multiple states. Losanda said, can they defund the police? Doesn't the, they, They've already done it in multiple states in America already. Fools with an antichrist agenda have already done it. Stupid people have done it. And so understand this. 
that corruption and violence. If you're over the age of 40 or over the age of 50, maybe you're watching me in your 60s. Look back to when you were like 40 and 30 and you can clearly testify and know. You know, Judy Stitzworth, you could you could testify and know that the corruption and the violence did not used to be like it was today or like it is today. It wasn't like that back then. It wasn't every single media cycle. There were new extreme acts of violence every single news cycle that you can't even finish one without three more taking place and terrorist attack here and terrorist attack there and terrorist attack here. And everywhere you look, there's violence. It it didn't used to be that way. I can remember when I was a teenager, it wasn't like that. I mean, I'm not even old. I'm 38 years old, but listen, it wasn't even like that when I was in um, high school. It wasn't even like that when I was in college. It wasn't like that at all. But what's happening? The end times are here and it's ramping up. Things are ramping up like Jesus prophesied and predicted. I looked at a stat the other day. Pew Research Group put out a calendar where they shaded in every day in America that there was a mass shooting where three or more people died in the mass shooting. Three or more deaths. And do you know over the whole year, there were less than a hundred days that were not shaded, meaning that almost every day of the year, somewhere in America, there, there was a mass shooting where three or more people died. Let me tell you something. It's not anymore. It's not anymore the exception to the rule. Now it's become the common way of life that people just expect it. Our hearts, and I I pray it's not true for Christians, but the hearts of many are just being callous to it. We've seen it so often. And you hear like another mass shooting. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, people are bad. You know, that's, we've started to have that kind of reaction. They're like, there's another, well, another mass shooting. Well, you know, I mean, it's just, we're living in those days and people have become calloused even to human life and the sanctity of human life. When you see that every day, People are being shot and killed. People are being stabbed. People are being killed. I mean, you know what they're telling us now? Tons of people, when you look at the end of the year reports, tons of, it's not just shot and killed. People are being stabbed. Tons of people are being killed with blunt, blunt force objects, hammers, clubs in America. And people, and not to, I'm not even mentioning abortion, which is an act of violence in itself. It's murder in itself. If you just took abortion, imagine They've already killed more babies than soldiers of the world that have died in World War II, which was the largest death toll of any war in the history of the world. But babies are dying at a massive rate. Why? Extreme violence, extreme corruption. You can play it any way that you want uh, to play it. You can play it any way you want to play it. But let me tell you something. Just abortion alone is an act of extreme corruption and an act of extreme violence. And it's on the rise everywhere. It's on the rise everywhere because there's a wicked spirit loose in the earth. An antichrist spirit is loose in the earth. The devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Isn't it interesting that as we look around, we see the very things that Jesus prophesied would take place. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Is that true, Lasonda? 
Is it true that Planned Parenthood was standing with Black Lives Matter? Because that's the biggest oxymoron I've ever heard of in my life. Planned Parenthood is, is, is responsible for more black deaths than probably, I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine that. They had a tweet, Planned Parenthood. I mean, it's gotten so insane. I can't, I can't even, I can't even wrap my mind around this anymore. How can Planned Parenthood, St Steve Martin said it's true. How can Planned Parenthood, I'm, I'm that, like that, that right there just like sent my mind into like a, a how could Planned Parenthood put out a tweet that says Black Lives Matter when they're responsible for more black murders than the KKK could ever be? <laughs> and Danielle said they were they they did put that and they put out a tweet how devastated they were over the recent events. How in the world my mind is blown right now? How can Black Lives Matter and Planned Parenthood coexist and they say yes we <laughs> How in the world can they even be considered sane and put out that, that kind of a tweet when they are responsible single-handedly for more? And if you study, by the way, I know people don't know this, but if you study the history of Planned Parenthood, it was founded by a racist woman that wanted to kill black babies. Go and study the history of Planned Parenthood and you'll find that it was founded by racist people that wanted to kill black babies and narrow down the black population. It's insane for them to put out a tweet saying black lives matter when they're killing more black people than the South side of Chicago, Camden, Newark, South central LA, the Brooklyn Bronx and Queens combined. I mean, like you cannot tell me that that's not pure insanity. It's pure insanity. And Jesus prophesied that this would be part of the signs of the end. Part of the signs of the end. You'd see extreme corruption and extreme violence throughout the earth. And we're seeing it all today. We're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right now. It's happening all over the world. Happening, happening all over the earth right now. In the month of June, these two things are happening at a massive rate right now. Right now. The things you're seeing on the news are mind-blowing, but they're prophetic events. Prophetic events without question. Where they're, they're, there's just wickedness throughout the streets. Where they're dragging police officers through the streets and beating them. People are beating other people in the streets. I watched as uh, seven men just ganged up on one man in the in in the streets and just beat him until he was on the ground and then kicked him and kicked him till he was unconscious bleeding on the streets and there's no one there to stop them no one's stopping it no one's saying no and there's no social distancing trust me on that one and Fauci has gone missing nobody knows where he is i'm telling you it's all an antichrist agenda scam and jesus prophesied that it would take place he said extreme corruption and extreme violence will hit the earth in the final moments of time. We're living in that day, my friends. We are living in that day. I mean, what's even the point of that? Steve Martin said he saw a video of somebody burning Margaret Sanger. That's exactly right. Wicked woman. Racist woman. You look up Mar Margaret Sanger. You look her up and see when she was founding Planned Parenthood. Wicked woman. Wicked agenda absolutely anti-Christ. 
absolutely anti-Christ. And people don't know. They just glide through life like, well, it's a place for women's health care. You have lost your mind. Go study the origin of it. Go study what it's all about, what their, what their goals were when they founded it. And don't be somebody that just swallows the pill because it's what mainstream media told you. It's foolishness. Foolishness. And, and I'm telling you, if you think people like the Bill Gates Foundation going around the world and putting vaccines into people that are actually causing them to become infertile so they can't have more babies, it's happening. It's happening all over the place. And nobody's saying anything about it. People just sit back. Oh, he created Microsoft. Unbelievable. It's just extreme wickedness, extreme violence, extreme corruption. It's happening throughout the entire world. And, and America is just getting her first real taste of it in this generation because in other nations, it's happening at extreme rates. And they got nobody to come help you. What do you do? I mean, you look up and study about the Fulani herdsmen. You go and Google the Fulani herdsmen, F-U-L-A-N-I, Fulani, the Fulani herdsmen. You go and look at that terror group, how they'll just come in and take your, your daughters, kill, kill people, take, put people into sex trade, take people into slavery. You look it up, the things that are happening around the world right now, Boko Haram. You go read what Boko Haram does. If you don't know about these groups in other nations, other nations are already experiencing extreme wickedness and extreme corruption. Americans are just now waking up to it because we're just so involved in our own little lives. We don't even know what's going on around the world. And we're seeing the signs of the times and Jesus is coming. You go look at those groups that other nations are having to deal with. You go into South and Central America and understand that these people are having to deal with cartels that are wicked that are purposely maiming and killing people just to send messages and to establish their dominance in the region, cutting off sheriffs and police officers' heads and leaving them on the steps of the courthouse in Mexico. Wicked, violent, corrupt. You understand? It's happening all over. And you go to these third world nations where it's happening and you can't call 911 I've heard pastors in those nations speaking from the platform laughing. And they say, you know, in America, they have a number they can call and people can come, people will come help you if you're in trouble. And the congregation laughs. And they said, we could call any number we want in this nation and whoever comes would be more crooked than the people that are holding us up. And it's corruption. The, those that are supposed to help you in other nations actually need, they want bribe money before they'll help you. And so if you don't have bribe money, then you're on your own. Corrupt, totally corrupt. And violence is sweeping through the earth because Jesus said it would. Jesus said that it would. Luke chapter 17, it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. Hallelujah. And we're in those days now. For the church, you ought to get excited because it means that Christ is coming soon. You ought to get excited and by the way, these are the signs of the second coming of Christ, not the rapture of the church. So understand, if we're already seeing heavy signs for the second coming of Christ, how much closer are we to the rapture of the church? Hallelujah. And I'm telling you right now, we were not appointed unto wrath. So we can't be here for God's wrath. 
And by the way, I did broadcasts on this, and if Tiffany's watching, she can put the broadcast or podcast number up. But I did a podcast on seven Bible proofs of a pre-tribulation rapture that we're not going to be here for any part of the tribulation, not any part. You know, there's people that say, well, you know, um, you know, the real tribulation and judgment of God doesn't start until halfway through the tribulation. That's not true. (laughs) All of it comes from heaven. All of it originates from heaven. The bowls, the trumpets, the seals, they all start in heaven and rain down on the earth. It's all from God. It's all God's wrath. And so I did a podcast and a broadcast where I taught you from the Bible seven Bible proofs of a pre-tribulation rapture because we are not appointed under wrath. And the tribulation is wrath. You know, for anybody that says, well, that scripture, what that scripture actually means is that we're not, we're not appointed unto the wrath of hell, that Christians won't have to go to hell. No, that's not what it says. It says wrath. And the tribulation, all of the tribulation is the wrath of God. All of it. All of it. So it doesn't matter which part you're looking at, bowls, trumpets, seals, they're all the wrath of God. You know how I know? They all start in heaven. They all start in heaven. And so I want you to catch this with me. We're not appointed under wrath. This kind of stuff, when you see it, it should excite you. It should stir your spirit up. You shouldn't go into a depression. You shouldn't go into an anxiety. You shouldn't have fear. You should start lifting your hands and praising God because it means that your help is drawing nigh, that Christ is getting ready to come. The trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise. And those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. You should be excited about it knowing I'm getting ready to leave this place. Heaven is my home, not this earth. I don't expect to end my life on this earth in a casket. I can tell you that. At 38 years old, I do not expect, looking at what the scripture teaches, I do not expect to end my life on this earth in a casket. I expect to end my life in the rapture. That's how close I believe we are. I expect to end my life in the rapture. And I'm telling you, you ought to be excited. You ought to get happy about the fact that we're seeing the end of the end. You should be excited about the fact Jesus is coming back soon. And if you're not ready to see him, you can be ready before the broadcast is over. So those are two that we see right away. Number one, we see extreme corruption. And I just showed you and told, talked to you about it. It's everywhere on the earth. Number two, extreme violence. Well, we're seeing that every single day all around the world. It's not limited to America. It's not limited to America. It's all over the world. That's right, Mason. It's closer than ever before, the coming of the Lord. Let's go to number three. What's the third thing? And I'll give you a bonus by the end of this broadcast. I'll give you a fourth thing. Uh, If you go back to Luke 17, listen to this. Not only did Jesus say extreme corruption and extreme violence, but listen to this. Not only will it be like the days of Noah, look at verse 28. Likewise, just as it was in the days of of Lot. They were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planning and building. 
But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So the Bible says it won't just be like it was in the days of Noah. It will be like it was in the days of Lot. Well, what was the thing that marked Lot's day in Sodom and Gomorrah? What was the element that so irritated God that he destroyed the city? Look what it was. Extreme sexual perversion. Number three, put it in the comments. Extreme sexual perversion. That's what God saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's what was happening, and I'm going to read it to you. And you see that it was the sign Jesus was speaking of. Listen. I'll start reading in Genesis 19 in verse 1. Genesis 19 in verse 1. And um, I'll start with there. There and we'll go to verse 8. Listen to this. The two angels came to Sodom. So let me give you the backstory. Two angels were sent by God to go into Sodom and Gomorrah, twin cities, and to get Lot and his family and get them out of the city because judgment and destruction was coming. Isn't it interesting to you that Lot and his family were the covenant people of God in that city and God could not destroy the city or even begin destroying the city until they were gone? Does that not open your eyes to see? Just like it happened with Noah, he couldn't let the rain come. He couldn't let the floodwaters begin until Noah and his family were safely on the ark. In the same way, fire and brimstone could not rain down from heaven on the cities until Lot and his family were out of the cities. Why? Because God's people are not appointed unto wrath. It's not for us. So look what happened here. The Bible says the two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. And when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth. And he said, my lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, no, we'll spend our night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly. So they turned aside to him and entered his house, and he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. <clears throat> now look at this, verse 4. This will blow your mind. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, oh my God, to the last man, surrounded the house. Verse 5, and they called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Wait, they weren't trying to check their identification. Read the New Living Translation. What it says here is bring them outside so that we can all have sex with them. Just like the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve and she bore children. That's what they're saying. Bring them outside that we may know them in the same way that Adam knew Eve and she bore children. All of the men of the city said, send those two men out to us so that we can all have sex with them. And Lot went to the men of the, at the entrance and shut the door behind him, verse seven, and said, I beg you, brothers, do not act so wickedly. 
Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. They're virgins. Let me bring them out to you and you can do with what with them as you please. What is going on? What is going on with Lot? Only do not do anything to these men for they have come under the shelter of my roof. What in the world? See, Lot had been in a wicked environment so long that he himself was becoming wicked. Can you imagine? Why not just say no? <laughs> Instead of saying, don't touch those men. Instead, take my virgin daughters and do whatever you want with them. Now, notice it wasn't one or two men, according to scripture. The Bible says it was young and old, every last man in the cities. Every single man was perverse. Everyone, not some of them, all. It wasn't a small LGBTQ community. It was the entire city of men. They came to Lot's house to gang rape the angels. You realize what's going on. They've come violently. They banged on the door. They've come to violently rape the angels that came from heaven. Wicked, extremely perverse, extremely wicked. And Lot had been there too long. He should have left long before that. But he's becoming, see, hanging around wickedness, you become wicked. And the Bible says that he offered his virgin daughters to an angry, perverse mob of men. I can't even imagine it. I can't even imagine it. And it's what's going on today. Jesus said, it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. Not just extreme sexual perversion, but notice that none of these men, catch this, notice that none of these men were ashamed of their actions. None of them. They weren't wearing masks. They weren't doing it in the basement of a firehouse. Notice this. None of these men were ashamed of what they wanted to do. They proudly stood in the streets and banged on his door and yelled for those men to be sent out so that they could have. What's, what are we seeing in the month of June? In America, they call this the Gay Pride Month. Or now they've just changed it to Pride Month because you can't just include gay. has to be everybody. L-G-B-T-Q and whatever other letters that they want to steal. And this is Pride Month, they've said. Think about that for a minute. Nobody is ashamed of their perverse sexual actions. Nobody. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Instead of, a, uh, instead of being ashamed of perverse sexual action, they actually have dedicated an entire month for the pride of those actions. The pride of those actions. To where they're sending now transgender people into, and drag queens and everything else, into our little children's schools, public schools, to read stories to them. There was one, I don't know if you saw it or not, there was one in drag that was a man in woman's clothes who opened up his thighs in the chair at the library to all the little kids sitting on the ground to hear the story he was reading with no underwear on with his little skirt and opened up his thighs and all the children had to look at his genitalia. Let me tell you something. There'd be more than an angry letter to the principal from me. Foolishness, absolute foolishness. Now you know what they're doing. If you don't know into 
uh, kindergarten and first grade classes, they're bringing in stuffed toys in the shape of male and female genitalia and teaching your children how to best touch those parts of the body. It's freaking wicked. And people sit around, well, you know, it's the day we got to have our kids educated. You know, it's the days we're living in. We need them to be diverse and have to learn. Let me tell you something. It is wicked and people's hearts have grown cold if they're Christians. They've completely fallen away from their own convictions. And if they're the wicked, it's the wicked like Jesus prophesied would be. Extreme sexual perversion with absolutely no care, absolutely no care for what they're doing. Proud of their wicked actions. Proud of their wicked actions. A lot of people are saying it in the comments. That's why we homeschool. That's why we homeschool. That's why we homeschool. Because let me tell you something. If you think, and, and listen, I'm all for being salt and light. I'm all for that. But what do you think? You think your six-year-old kid, you think your five-year-old kid is established in the word of God enough to go be the salt and light? See, this is the foolish things that people, well, I put my kids in the public school so they can be the light of the world. You think your five-year-old is established enough in the doctrine of scripture to go be the salt and light when all that stuff's going on that they don't even fully understand? It's one thing if like you've grown up in church and now your parent like me, I was homeschooled through eighth grade and then I went to a public high school. But I was, you know, at 15 years old, I've already been rooted and grounded in church and the scripture. I know why I believe what I believe. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've, you know, it's a different level when you're 15 and you've been prepared and you've been given the word and you've been raised up in the anointing and you know what you're talking about. It's one thing to send a 15 year old into the world. It's another thing to send a five year old into the world. You think you're five year old and people are nuts. People are nuts. Well, we're just believing God that they'll be the salt and the light. They will be affected by an antichrist mentality and a, and a uh, you know common core curriculum with an antichrist agenda and be taught. And then you know it's crazy because here's what happens: you've got Christian parents that don't think being faithful to church is that important, and they teach their kids that growing up. That if anything else is going on, we should do that. We can always go to church. But you know, it's a nice day. Let's go to the lake. You've got travel baseball. You've got travel football. You've got all these different things. You should go to your friend's house. You can go to church next week. And they teach their kids. They've already done the statistics. The average Christian goes to church once every five or six weeks. Once every five or six weeks. You know what that is? It's it's a church that has taught their children. It's not really important at all whether we go to church or not. It's, it's not really important at all whether or not we're faithful to the things of God and the kingdom of God. And then to top all that off, they send their kids away to a public uh, university full of an antichrist spirit and their kids are not filled with the Holy Ghost. They don't think church is important and they send them off to some party school, some liberal university where professors talk them out of the Bible and talk them out of the things of God because they themselves aren't even rooted enough to know why we believe the Bible or why Christianity is what it is. So they go there with no fire. They go there with no anointing. They go there with no fear of God and they 
throw them out into the world, into a liberal university, and say, hope you make it, get yourself a good education. And it's just a big indoctrination agenda where they sit there and brainwash your kids. Now you have to sit in a side room and color pictures because you're too stressed out to go to class. It's insane. It's freaking insane. And people think, well, I just want my kid. My kid was in church growing up. We're going to have him go be the salt and light. You didn't take him to church. You stopped in every once in a while if they were having something special. So don't tell me that your kid is ready to be the salt and light. You train your children up in the way they should go. They, you train them up. And when they're old, they'll not uh, depart from it. But training is different than casual attendance. If you don't train those kids, you know, that's why that the average dude that shoots basketball every now and then outside at his, at his, you know, neighborhood park, he ain't going to the NBA. There's a big difference between training yourself to be a part of the NBA and then shooting buckets every once in a while at your neighborhood court. And people that are casual quick Christians have been shooting buckets in their neighborhood church every once in a while and then sending their kids off into a wicked world saying, go be the salt and light. You're not trained to be the salt and light. Well, I don't know why our kids don't want to go to church anymore. We raised them in church. You didn't raise them in church. You raised them in a casual Christian environment that showed them it's not that important whether you go to church or not. That's just exactly what happens to people. It's exactly what happens. And people, you say, I don't know, my, my, my son, my daughter went off to college and came back uh, an atheist and came back an agnostic. I know why, because we haven't trained them up in the way they should go. And then you launch them out into a wicked world and say, well, I hope they make it. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it in that way. You got to train them in the Holy Ghost. You got to keep them in the presence of God. You got to show them what's right. And it doesn't come from an hour and a half once a week at a church. It happens Monday through Saturday in my house where I show my kids what it looks like to live holy. And I show my kids what it looks like to pray. And I show my kids what it looks like to read the Bible. And I show my kids what it looks like to walk in love and to treat my wife properly and to have a marriage that works. I show Show my kids what it looks like. I'm an example to say, this is how you serve the Lord. That's what training is. That's what training is. And if you don't want your own family to fall prey to the stupidness of the world, then you're the trainer. You're the coach. I'm the trainer. I'm the coach. And God's going to move in my family. And you have to make up in your mind, God's going to move in my family. And I refuse to be destroyed. I refuse to let my family, that's why it was so powerful when you read in the Bible, when he drew a line in the sand and said, you can, listen, you can choose if you want who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I thank God that I grew up in a house where I didn't have any choice but to serve the Lord. I have any choice. You're going to church. I can't only, I can't imagine waking up at seven years old or 17 and saying to my father, mother, well, I'm just not going to church today. Well, who do you think you're talking to? You're under my roof in my house, eating my food. You're going where we tell you to go. When do we get to this point where like children had their own authority to make their own decisions? Let me tell you, it's why you go to the mall now and you've got kids, little kids that have to be on a leash backpack with their parents holding onto a handle like they're a dog or a cat that's untrained. It's how we got here. It's exactly how we got here. 
It's not a little adult living in your house. It's not, it's, listen, if they're under your roof and in your authority and control, then children obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that you'll have a long life on the earth. These are the first commandments with, pro- with promise, the Bible says. The first commandments with promise. So it's important for us to understand this, that it doesn't matter what they want. My kids don't dictate to me whether or not we go to church. They don't dictate to me and my wife if they're going to wake up on Sunday morning. Are you kidding me? They don't dictate to us whether or not they're going to read their Bible. Are you kidding me? God gave you those children so that you could raise them in godliness. You raise them in godliness. That's the key. You train them up in the way they should go. And we're seeing, listen, we're seeing these signs every single place we look. Every single place we look, we see extreme corruption, extreme uh, violence, extreme sexual perversion. It's what Jesus prophesied and it's happening now. This wasn't even a reality 20 years ago. Think about how much time has passed through the earth and think about the fact that how short of a time 20 years is. 20 years is nothing on the earth. It flies by like that. These things weren't even a reality 20 years ago like they are today. Not even close. Not even close. And you can see it's ramping up. You can see Jesus is coming soon. Not to mention the fact that Jesus said, when you see the fig tree bud and bloom again, that's a sign to you that this generation will not pass from the earth before all these things come to pass. The fig tree he was speaking of and everyone he was talking to knew who he was speaking of was Israel. Being reborn as a nation, which by the way, has never happened in the history of the world that a nation was overtaken and wiped off the map and then years and years later reestablished as a sovereign nation again. It's never happened. But Jesus said it would happen with Israel and it did. 2,000 years later, in 1948, the month of May, on the 14th day, they became a sovereign nation again. And Jesus said, when you see that take place, the generation who sees that will not pass from the earth before all these things come to pass. So let me tell you, it happened in 1948. We're in 2020. Something is about to happen. People need to be ready to see Jesus. Those of you that are ready should be excited because Jesus is coming. It's not an escapist mentality, but in one sense it is because we're escaping the wrath of God. But we live as though, watch this, we live and work as though he's not coming in one sense. You know, there was people that used to teach, just rack up a bunch of debt because Jesus is coming soon, as many credit cards, then leave all the debt to the Antichrist. Well, Those people racked up all the debt on the credit cards. Jesus did not rapture the church, and now they're in just extreme debt and bankruptcy. You live wise, in a wise way. You live in a wise way. You plan for the future, because no man knows the day or the hour of Christ's return. No man does. Even Jesus said, it's only for the Father to know these things. And so catch this with me. It's important that we live, we plan for the future, we live Uh, You know, uh, the Bible says wise as serpents, wise, but we also live ready. 
We live like he could come tonight. We do our work in the kingdom as though he could come tonight. We keep John 9, 4 in front of our face. Work while it's yet day, for the night is coming where no man can work. In one sense, we live with an urgency. In another sense, we plan with wisdom. But one thing you can see clearly is that all the signs, in one month, the month of June, we're seeing all three of them together in one month packed in. Corruption, violence, extreme sexual perversion. And you understand that, that we're coming to the very end of time. And I want to encourage you, because see, this is why that we go hard at Miracle Word. This is why Carol and I are gone, you know, nonstop, gone doing the work of the Lord. Why? Because time's running out. This is the reason that you stand with this ministry, because you can feel it. You know what's going on. You understand that we're coming to the end, that people aren't ready, and that we've got to do everything we can to see people come into the kingdom before it's too late. That's why you know, and that's why I know, that we continue on doing the work of Christ because he's coming soon. I want to pray for you. Listen to me. Very important that you hear this. Those of you that are watching, if you're watching me, no matter where you're watching from, Maybe you would look introspectively and say, you know what, now that he's preaching this, now that he's teaching this, if Jesus did come today, I'm not sure that I'd be ready to go to heaven. My life's not right. There's sin all in my life. I need to be free from sin. I need to get this wickedness out of my life. I need to know that God is my father. Jesus is my Lord. If you're watching this right now, hear me. You can see what I've pointed out to you from the word of God. We're in those days like never before. I want you to pray a prayer of salvation with me today. If you're listening on the podcast, watching on the broadcast, and you're not ready to see Jesus, now is your time. And we want to connect with you. We want to give you some free gifts. We want to help you take next steps. But at first, it starts with repentance. So I want to lead you in a prayer today. I want you to pray this with me and believe God that all things are turning in your favor. Pray this. Say, Father, In Jesus' name, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I ask you now, forgive me of my sin and make me new. Give me the power to live for you. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And you said that if I would do those two things, I would be saved. So today... I thank you, Lord, that I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, do this for me. I want to give you some free gifts. I want to stand with you and believe God for the greatest days you've ever seen. Here's all you need to do. Go to my website, miracleword.com, and there's a button, whether you're on your phone, tablet, or laptop, there's a button in the menu that says, I just got saved. Even if you just rededicated your life to Jesus, I want to hear from you. I just got saved. Click it. And in that page on the website, we have some things for you. And we want to help you to be rooted and grounded in the kingdom. And I want to give you some things absolutely free. And I want to pray for you by name. So do me a favor and go to miracleword.com. Click on, I just got saved and join the family today and believe God for the best days you've ever seen. For those of you that are watching, let me pray for you and your families as well. Because here's the thing, as we come to the end of time, as Jesus is getting ready to return to this earth, 
Now, what, before more than ever before, what we need is the boldness. I, I've met so many Christians that say, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what they'd think of me. I feel, I feel insignificant. I feel insufficient. It's a lack of boldness. We need the boldness of the Holy Ghost. It's how Peter felt when Jesus was being crucified, but it all changed when he got filled with the Holy Ghost. So let me pray for every person watching. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every family. I pray for the children today that we will not be, we'll never fall prey to the spirit of this world, to an antichrist agenda and system. I thank you, Lord, that there'll never be a wicked thing that overtakes our children and our families. I pray now that as they're watching, as they're listening, that the mighty gift of faith would flow through this broadcast or podcast into their heart. I pray that the fire of the Holy Ghost would be ignited in their life. Lord, give us a boldness, like Paul prayed in Ephesians 6. Give us a boldness that we might proclaim the message of the gospel of Christ. Don't let us be silent. Not in these moments. Do not let us be silent, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would give us a fire to stand up and be counted for the kingdom of God. A boldness to do what we've been called to do. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you that the best days are ahead, that 2020 is our year of violent increase and expedited favor in Jesus' wonderful name. We give you glory, Lord, and we give you praise for what's about to happen and that Jesus is coming soon. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we thank you and we give you glory, honor, and praise. And if you believe that prayer today, throw some fire in the comments section, wherever you're watching, Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, and let me know you believe it and you're standing with me. And then let me encourage you to sow a seed today. See, this stuff is so important that I can't seem to stop. We're moving forward. And I'm so happy that we're here in Horseheads, New York. The meetings have been extended. Carolyn and Teddy flew up to meet me and the girls yesterday. And we're all here together, believe in God for miracles. And we'll continue on throughout this year and until Jesus comes in this agenda of preaching the gospel of the kingdom, seeing people saved and changed by the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you, will you be one that will stand with us? Will you be one that by faith, as a part of the Victory Tribe, will say, listen, I'm not just praying for you. I'm going to sow a seed monthly that will help you Take the gospel of Jesus to a lost and a dying world. If you would stand with us, I'm asking you today to pray and ask the Lord what it is he wants you to do. I know that everybody's at a different place. Everybody's at a different level of, uh, of life and faith. But wherever you are today, there's something you can do to stand with this ministry and believe God for a supernatural increase in your life and in the kingdom. That's the great part about sowing is that you get to experience increase and the kingdom increases at the same time. It's a double blessing. All you've got to do, and of course the information's on the screen. If you're in the United States, you can use Cash App, Venmo, hashtag donate, PayPal. But no matter where you are in the States or around the world, you can go to miracleword.com. Information's at the bottom of the screen right there. Miracleword.com. And you can click on the give page or the partner page, and you can set up a monthly recurring seed to stand with Carolyn and me as we're doing what God's called us to do. And you become a significant part of it as well. 
And I'm telling you, we have wonderful partners in this ministry. God has blessed us with some of the best people that we could be attached to. And we thank you. We thank you for standing with us. And let me just say this, that for everybody that is standing with us, we're going to send you this book by Dr. Bill Winston. I love Brother Winston. He is a man of faith. He's one of the greatest faith teachers on the earth today. His church is in the Chicago area, and he released this book called The Law of Confession. I have it. It's powerful. It is a powerful, powerful book, and it's going to be our gift to every one of you that sows and partners this month at $85 or more. We're believing God for increase in your life, and this is going to be our gift to you in this month of June. And so uh, Delami said, do you pray for a job or do you sow a seed for a job? Um, Increase can come any way that God sends it to you. But the Bible says that whatsoever a man sows or a woman, that shall he also reap. And so God said that he would send men and women to bless you. That might come in the form of a boss, might come in the form of a friend, might come in the form of, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter how it happens, but it does happen. And so you can sow a seed asking God for that blessing of increase, but you continue to pray and we're standing with you as well, but it's very easy to do. And so thank you. Love you too, Mike. Love you guys. Love the boys. We wanted to bless the boys, Mike, and we appreciate you. We're going to bless you as well. Um, I love you guys, man. I'm telling you, if you can be with us in these last couple of nights, get here, register online at hisTabernacle.com. And be a part of it, man, because God's moving. And it's time to catch a fresh impartation of what the Lord is doing. Let me say this. For everybody that feels to sow largely, and there there are people that do that. We had somebody yesterday that sent in a very large check that owns businesses. And maybe you're a business owner. And you're believing God to sow largely. And believing for your businesses to increase. Let me encourage you. Do what the Holy Spirit's telling you to do. Those that are sowing 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, at that kind of a level, we're going to send you also the Genuine Leather Life Application Study Bible and the brand new Further Faster in the hardcover limited edition just for our partners that are standing at $1,000 or more. Go today to MiracleWord.com and sow a seed by faith. And I'm telling you, the best days are ahead. And then tonight... We're going to be live again at 6.30 p.m. And I want to see you guys. If you can't be in the building, I want to um, see you online. Of course, we'll share the broadcast, and you can be a part of it as well online. And again, I'll be back with you tomorrow morning and all this week at 10.30 a.m. And then, of course, every night, tonight and tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. as well. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. If you didn't get a chance to share the broadcast, take a minute to share it. And uh, I really appreciate you so much. I love you. And maybe I'll do a question and answer about this sometime soon. But uh, I love you, Mama. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for being a part of it. And um, guys, have a blessed day. I'll see you tonight, 6.30. Have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.